You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. everybody, this is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Thursday, the 3rd of March, 2022. Thank you all for tuning in. On this evening's program, apologies a few minutes late, we'll eventually, hopefully, get it down to the, the exact time as it is scheduled for. If you want to listen to this program live, it's megiddoradio.com forward slash live. And it's, well, at least this is the plan. Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. And that's UK and Ireland time, and you're just going to have to probably Google where it is in your time zone around the world. If you want to listen to it live, it's going to be just audio only live. And also, if you would like during the program, or in fact, even before the program, or whatever the case may be, Megiddo Radio, it's M-E-G-I-D-D-O Radio at gmail.com. You can email any questions during the program. While the program's going ahead, I have it open. It's kind of... Something to replace the the live chat that we had before. That was quite good. And sometimes questions do come in and uh, it can really help. And uh, so do feel free to email in your questions, whatever the case may be. And uh, I will do my best to answer it, especially if it's related to the topic in some way, shape or form. Hope you're all doing well. The world continues to seem to get more bizarre as time goes on. Well, it seems like the the news cycle, it's almost like COVID what? And, uh, you know, there's the news cycle is completely different now. And uh, hopefully, who knows what's going to come up in the next week or two, because it just keeps changing. People are afraid of one thing or the next thing or whatever the case may be. Um, of course, though, we should keep in our thoughts and prayers and try and support any way you can. Um, if you know of good missionaries within Ukraine or perhaps close to or in one of those European countries where there's many refugees going through, um, I was watching a video last night. It was um, in Moldova. So there's a lot of need out there and there's a lot of people going from one place to another. It's it's. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a difficult situation for many people, and look, I think really people need to stop being political foreign correspondents, experts, and all this kind of thing. Um, complex issues, um, and just pray for and try and support. If you want to use your energy, your time, your money, all that kind of thing, there's whatever your views are. And there's a lot of bizarre ones out there. There are suffering people on the ground. So, you know, and um, I don't think anything else that we add to the situation can make it much better. Um, of course, it, it can help our prayers, all the things like that. But yeah, but I think that's just the internet in general. And because of the fact that there is an all-time low in trust 
I don't know, all-time low, but there's a massive lack of trust in the media right now. And it's deserved, by the way. The last two years have been ridiculous. And in regards to that, now you have a, you know, the news cycle has almost completely changed. So now you have a situation where there are certain people who distrust every single thing that the media says. So some have, it seems, have gone down the route of the enemy and my enemy is my friend, even to the point of supporting a, a tyrant like Vladimir Putin. KJB guy who, you know, kills his political opponents. Yeah, let's not go down that route. Uh, I'm not saying everything's perfect in different ruling in different regions and all that, but look, there's people suffering on the ground. We need to just keep them in our prayers. And there are good missionaries on the ground. There's God's people are on the ground in Ukraine, in Russia north of there, Belarus, and south, the south, Belarus, um, in Moldova, Romania, and the war could spread there. And it's, uh, it's a worry, it's a concerning time for those people, as it is for much of Europe, continental Europe especially. So, I think that's got to be our, our, our focus in, in this time of Yes, a lot of questionable stories have been circulated. I know that there's been some fact-checking and some stories. We just got to be careful what we're sharing around. But there's a few things we do know about what's going on in the world right now. The world is in, um, well, at least the country Ukraine is going through a lot. And the, the ordinary people are suffering and having to flee a war zone. So... I digress. You just think, you know, people, this can be something people can get unite around. Nah, nah. All right, so we're going to be on tonight's program. We're going to look at something that's a major problem within the charismatic movement. I haven't done a program on charismatic related issues in a while. I try not to do it every single program because believe me, there's plenty of material. And um, it's been how long ago? I'm trying to think of the last. It's been quite a while, actually. I think the last program I did, at least that I can find in front of me here, was a program I did quite a while ago on Todd White, unless I'm missing something. So tonight we're going to be looking at going to be looking at. Um, testimonies especially the the testimony of jim maxim somebody i hadn't known a whole ton about but there's this story of apparently going to hell and being saved by jesus and all this kind of thing um is very very common it's not just something that i've heard once and it's just unquestioningly believed. I remember in my early time as a Christian for two years, I remember people say they're on the same time me getting influenced by these stories. Now, I know there may be reformed people out there blessed 
blessed to have either grown up with, with the Westminster Catechism and the Westminster, you know, short or larger, whichever ones you learned, and have learned form theology and have got those positive truths, and that's the most important thing, and have a sense of, yes, it's the Word of God we should base our claims on. However, there are many people who haven't been so blessed to grow up in such a background. Many, many around the world. Uh, I was listening to um, a really interesting presentation last night. Uh, um, it was a meeting of uh, EMF, which is European Mission Fellowship, and there was a missionary there from po uh, not Poland, uh, Finland. And really, really interesting. A lot of things I, I'd been told by other people as well. Uh, the, the lack of reform teaching in certain countries is astonishing. And I've had other people, one or two other, uh, I've had one other person from Finland contact me about the lack of Reformed churches in Finland and just the number of charismatic churches. So if you go to certain countries around the world, what you have at best is the charismatic movement. So we need to challenge, we need to tackle this. There's half a half a billion people around the world who are either Pentecostally charismatic or claim to be that. And it makes up a massive amount of what claims to be, depending on how broadly you term Protestantism, what claims to be the Christian church. And I would argue strongly that it has not been a good influence on the church. There are, within the charismatic movement and the Pentecostal movement over the last hundred years, there are genuine Christians. There are people within it who would, in their zeal and sharing of the gospel and other things, would put many of us reformed people to shame. I, I don't disagree with that for a second. Yes, I know. And some of them will grow and grow to such a point that will eventually leave the charismatic movement. But be that as it may, and for those, and I've met charismatics over the years, who have been tremendous blessing sometimes very great encouragement to pray with and all that i've met people like that but but at the same time the stories of either we've dealt with in another program about apparently going to heaven coming back all this kind of stuff and telling everybody about it now we're going to be looking at the, the converse of that which is claims of going to hell and being saved and all this kind of thing and how it contradicts the biblical record, not just is adding to the word of God, which is bad enough by, it, uh, by itself, it, it contradicts it. So, just we'll begin the program with a word of prayer before we get into the main part. And then we're going to read a section from God's word. We're just going to read from Second Timothy chapter 3, which deals with scripture. So it's Second Timothy chapter three, specifically focusing to especially around verse sixteen. Actually, we just read from verses ten to sixteen. So we'll pray first, and um, if you're listening live, you can join in as well. Father, Lord in heaven, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would please bless this program and may it help your people. And may it also help dear charismatics, O oh Lord, who either know you and are confused in this area and are in need of growth, 
but also dear charismatics who don't know you and we pray that they would come to know the true Jesus Christ of scripture and that you would bring many dear souls to saving faith in Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Let us hear God's word. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the, pe- all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and, from, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. May the Lord bless his word. So the, the the testimony we're going to be looking at today is from a man by the name of Jim Maxim. Jim Maxim was on the Sid Roth at Supernatural program in December, at least that's when it was uploaded onto the YouTube channel. And uh, I I came across this, I think it was last December or January, but it kind of, um, there were other things that popped up and eventually said, I could probably cover this at some stage. Uh, this is what it says on, I think this is a, this is what I could find of his website, of, uh, the closest thing I could find to a biography. So, it just talks about Jim Maxim, low point in his life since the time he's been, since the time he's been, this is from, uh, where is this, Acts 4.13 Ministries. Jim has been evangelizing, counseling, and ministering in the name of Jesus all over the world. In particular, Jim has been burdened to pray and to lead others to incessory prayer for pastors, their families, and churches. God continues to use Jim through the power of the Holy Spirit to renew their prayer lives and to encourage God's people in their walks with him. So that's, so he's got kind of a website, ministry, things like that. Him and his wife, Kathy, minister, and he's got a very dramatic testimony but that kind of is is what is on Sid Roth and again not to speak down upon but anybody's testimony there's people who grew up in the church and were regenerated from a young age and don't know exactly when they started to believe Um, my right earpiece has gone dead that's not good one, two, two, one, two. So I'll fidget away at that for a while. Um, and I have discovered the problem. So anyway, Jim Maxim, not trying to pick on him per se, but there is... 
these 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 stories are everywhere. This isn't just a one-off. This I I try not to do that in critiques. I try not to pick the weirdest things. There are there are plenty of weird things out there, and I'll I will sometimes critique things like that. I'm not saying that never do critiques like that. But the problem is with critiques like that, it, it can just seem like you're trying to gain cheap shots and all that. And I'm genuinely trying to help people. Some of the most encouraging emails that I've ever received are things where people said, I listened to this and now I'm attending such and such a church. I'm going to a reform church. I'm going to, they're going to a sound church, whereas before they went to a church that may or may not have even been preaching the gospel in the first place. That's incredibly encouraging. And to see people grow in the Lord, that's the greatest, most encouraging thing I have ever seen of this and makes things like this worth while so uh earpieces i'll <laughs> find again uh, my sound went completely weird there that's uh that's why i was fiddling around there so for over 40 years this is what it says in jim maxim's website god has led jim to acts as a catalyst to call the greater body of christ out of division and into corporate intercessory prayers so he he, he focuses mainly on prayer uh, he said he was, um, says the end of this, he, he was called by God through the invitation of Pastor Eric Capacci, is that how he pronounces them, to bring the message of prayer to Hot Springs, Arizona. I'd wonder, see, a lot of the time, one of the problems with this kind of, I can hear God's voice or having this experience, with, which cannot be validated, it's, these experiences can be when people are under the influence. They can be people when they're um, during comas, apparently. And you'd want... Have you ever had strange dreams? Just bizarre dreams? Well, you wouldn't just wake up and say those were real. Would you? Generally speaking. So they're... At best, they're notoriously unreliable. And this is taking the person at his word, and I think that's the best thing we can do, that he is genuine. He's not just making this up or, or just change it around as time goes on, and or he's just not just doing it to make money. But, you know, it, it seems like from a lot of the things, you know, if you look at the adverts, it's a, if you get his books and DVDs and all that kind of thing, well, you say these things and your prayer life can really come alive, but I digress. So, um, this is from December... Last video titled, I'm being taken to hell and Jesus thunders these words. This is from Sid Roth's program. We're just going to play this here and comment on it and tell you why you shouldn't believe these stories and how possibly to counsel people that you, friends of yours who believe this kind of thing. Okay. Next. Jim Maxson was growing up in a dysfunctional home of alcoholics. Chaos was normal. No peace, no direction. But when he was 15, his mother rededicated her life to Jesus, and he began to witness a new normal at home. For his mom, at least. <laughs> but it wasn't a new normal for you. <laughs> no, not at all, Sid. When my mother rededicated her life to Christ, um, things changed. Um, the atmosphere 
and our home changed. She started to be serious about this relationship she had with her God. Somehow, it was as if she was really talking to him every day back in her. We used to hear her back there praying for us. So things changed radically. But for you, your, your life was still a wreck. What was going on? Yes. Well, I started hardcore drugs at 15, and I continued to drink. And so by the time I was 18, Sid, I was a full-blown alcoholic. Well, there is a date in history. Your date... Look, one of the reasons I'm doing this is you get people who, look, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, and they get to such a point that they're desperate, they're desperate to get out of it. They, they feel horrible. Their life is miserable. And they come across this kind of thing, and it is, it just seems like the ticket. The problem is, what happens when, it's not the Jesus of the Bible that's being presented before people, it's, it's the Jesus of you know, replacing, you know, the drug high with some kind of religious experience high. And the danger is, if it's not the Jesus of the Bible, it doesn't save. That's where the real danger comes in. Also, in your growth, that you're going to be seeking after an experience, after some emotional high, or whatever the case may be, rather than growing in the peace and joy and happiness, which comes from knowing Jesus Christ more and more. It shouldn't happen to anyone, but it happened to Jim. December 27th, 1971. Yes. What happened? Well, I was completely drunk at an employee Christmas party, so drunk my friend had to drive me home. His girlfriend drove his car and got me to my house and handed me the keys and said, Max, I'll see you in the morning. I said, yeah, whatever. And they left, and I hid on the side of the house until they left. And the reason for that, Sid, is when you're an alcoholic, you have something driving you. You have something pushing you. You don't drink just to drink. You drink to get totally obliterated. And so as they left, I got back in my car and went out for some more. And I was at a red light in my town, and I had an old 8-track tape player in my glove box. And I leaned over to change the tape, and one fell on the floor. And as I bent over to pick it up, I was so drunk, Sid, I passed out. I saw a car coming at me, then I passed Look, look I, just... The danger with these testimonies is you embellish. Years have gone by since the alleged incidents have happened or whatever the case may be. And there's a danger of embellishing to make it more and more jazzed up and exciting and all that. I'm not saying he's making this up or whatever the case may be, but you can embellish it in your mind because when you're under that, when you're under the influence, that degree, how can you remember all the details clearly? You wouldn't, I'll give you an example. Just say somebody was in this case so intoxicated and you brought him before the court. And, you know, you talk about something serious happening in a court. Maybe you're, you're, you're a witness to something else that happened. Would your testimony be admissible before a court? Probably not. Um, but, and the thing is, a lot of what is being admissible under the charismatic movements umbrella is things a lot of time under the influence in comas and in, in various different high stress environments where testimonies aren't that reliable highly subjective and etc and so on so this is always to be taken into account when hearing these stories or claims to stories. Again, I'm not accusing the man of making anything up. 
There are cases where it's very easy to prove if somebody's making things up. Maybe somebody's already done the research and knows that the guy is or whatever. I'm not saying that at all. I'm taking him at his word. I'm, t you know, that he believes that this happened. Doesn't mean it did. A person can be sincere and have stories of this nature, but there is there are real biblical reasons to reject what they're saying. Do it gently. Be patient with people. People aren't going to figure it out. And it's, if you've had an experience or you think you've had an experience of that nature, it's very hard for people to let go of it. So you have to give people time. And as the best thing to ask is, how do you know? How do you know this is from God? Because if you're following the Word of God, the authority to know if it's from the Word of God is going to come from the Word of God, not from, oh, I just know. Well, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We have everything we need in Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Nothing lacking. So if we have everything we need, we have the Spirit of God, what further will we be giving individual revelation? We think of um, the rich man Lazarus, and the rich man is, you know, gone to hell. Clear indication of his time is up. He doesn't have any more opportunities. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Start again, and they told me my vehicle went up an embankment and came down and hit a telephone pole. And I flew through the passenger side of the windshield. And after my face and head went through the glass, my shoulders hit the glass, and then the weight of my body dragged me back down in across the jagged glass, lacerating my face like a pack of razor blades. They said that my face was on the passenger floor compartment, and when the cops came to get me, they braced them. Look. And no, okay. I have had... I had... I can speak to these issues because I had a drink problem before I became, came to the Lord. So I can, I can talk about the... My testimony of what happened when, anytime I'm under the influence is going to be suspect, okay? That's the first thing. I've also had, I had one bad accident when I was 16 and I went over the handlebars. It sounds like what he, well, obviously what he had is far worse. It, what happened to him was far worse. Um, but I remember when I had my accident, went over the handlebars, knocked out most of my front teeth, things like that. The, the, let's just say that morning was a complete blur. I remember bits before it, still remember bits before it. I remember bits after it i could not give you a blow by blow account of everything that happened to me unless maybe the doctor gave him here's what happened and he pieced it together afterwards that's possible but i'm just saying critical thinking needs to kind of kick in when you hear these stories i know it doesn't seem nice 
because you're kind of going, well, you're you're just kind of going from, from the default position that the guy's a liar. No, I'm not. Look, when you're adding to God's word and you're making such claims, at the very least, you can be. Okay, maybe you don't start off with, this is all nonsense. Okay, but at least start off with, you're examining the claims. Because what if somebody came along and just said, hey, we've got a lost book of the Bible, this should be added. Should you just say, okay, well, I'm just going to take your word for it. You wrote it down. and Or do you think, well, I'm going to be incredibly skeptical and check all the things to the nth degree. Well, I'd hope you would be very, very skeptical, at the very least. Now, obviously, if that ever happened, you need to reject it. But what I'm saying is you should... Because if you don't exercise such discernment, it is, it's gullibility. It's being gullible. What we should believe is the word of God, not the testimonies of, or, or the claims of people who say that they're God's people. The word of God is our authority, nothing else. Well, not nothing else. There's the subordinate authorities, but our highest authority is the Word of God. I was uh, by putting their foot on the floor to pick me up. The cop told me later, he said, Maxim, when I put my foot in the car, the blood actually came up over the top of my shoe. Whoa. You had lost so much blood. He said, we got you into the ambulance, and by the time we pulled you out of the car at the hospital, my partner looked at me and said, forget it, it's two ladies dead. I don't remember this, but they said, I looked at him and said, no, I'm still with you. So they got me in the emergency room, and... They couldn't find a plastic surgeon at two in the morning, so they just got this intern to pull, started pulling shards of glass out of my eyes and my face. They called my mother. You can imagine a mother getting a phone call at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. And um, they said, Mrs. Maxim, your son Jim's been in an accident. And she said, well, can I come down in the morning? You see, Sid, for her, this was nothing new. I'd just gotten out of jail for minor stuff, and between my brothers and myself, well, this was nothing new. I mean, not only was your father an alcoholic, but your brothers, some of them were alcoholics. Yeah, yes, it's alcohol, and five out of eight of us eventually became alcoholics. Mm. It just ran in our family. And so my mother jumped in the car by herself, and um, she got to the hospital. Okay. Yes, great and wonderful things can happen to any kind of family, any kind of situation. Yes. However, at the same time, if such claims are coming from such a, let's face it, a dysfunctional background, also question marks need to be asked of that because of the dysfunctional nature of where the claims are coming from. And they said, ma'am, he's uh, your son at this point has fallen into a coma. The amount of glass in his left eye, we just don't know if he'll ever see again out of it. He has a cut across the top of his skull, very deep. The possibility of brain damage is very real. His jaw was a compound fracture, literally came through his skin. And um, the intern is in there now, pulling shards of glass out of his eyes. Hmm. And so, you know, they said, ma'am, there's not much you can do now. You may as well come back in the morning. So Sid, my mother used to tell me, Jimmy, when I got in the car, Satan was relentless with me that night. The enemy of my soul just continued to hammer me and hammer me by saying to me, where's this God of yours now, Isabel? This all-powerful Jesus Christ you claim to serve, where's he at, Isabel? Tell me about him, look at your husband. 
Look at Jack. Look at Jim. Tell me about it, Isabel. Where is he at when you need him the most? So you can imagine the discouragement, the fear, the doubt, the unbelief that Satan was trying to, to throw upon her. Said she told me that when she got home, she just fell on her knees next to her bed where we had heard her cry out so often before God for us. Said uh, she told me she just started crying, Jesus, please don't let him be blind. Jesus, please, when's it going to end? Jesus, please, when are you going to do something? You can imagine a mother's cry. But Sid, it was then she told me that the Holy Spirit came alongside of her. Look, I, I d- probably the the mother is a you know wonderful God fearing woman. Don't know, um, but the Lord does answer prayers. I don't want to cast any kind of by the questioning of this testimony, and it is a it's not a testimony that should be accepted on face value. You say what happened? I don't know, um, but his recollection of it and everything else he's saying, if it's true, contradicts the word of God. So therefore it has to be rejected. But at the same time, it's quite possible that his dear dear mother did pray for him and he got better. And it was an answer to prayer. So don't want to be, try not to go beyond that part. Okay. It's quite possible that she prayed. He got, he 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 came out of a coma if 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 this is all true and um and it was an answer to prayer now the 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 his testimony then of getting saved is a bit ropey and it's i would say it's not something that anybody should let somebody into a church over um you know did he see himself as a sinner from the word of god not that he he believed that he saw jesus and he, he delivered from hell and all this kind of thing um yeah let's continue is it isabel that's enough now isabel that's enough let's begin to praise god isabel because he's holy and he's worthy isabel praise god so as hard as that is Sid, in the midst of a crisis like that my mother said jimmy i broke out in praise i broke out in worship and adoration to my god I started to see the scriptures in like a movie screen in front of me. The Holy Spirit was putting in front of me to, to quote back to God that he is holy, that he's righteous, that he's true, that he can do anything. And she said, I just began to worship and worship him. And Sid, she used to go like this to me. She said, Jimmy, it was like this, that when I, when I was praising God, I saw his index finger come down and touch your left eye. And when I saw that, Jimmy, I knew you were going to be okay. I- okay. Again, if, if you go through church history, you're going to find, even in godly people throughout the centuries, certain supernatural claims here and there. And it doesn't mean that all these people are suspect and all that. But the, the problem is the test where there may be times when we can only be sure what the word of God tells us. We may pray for things and you may have been given a reassurance in your soul that you've you know, been forgiven assurance and things like that, but we can never know. And we're not going to be given extra biblical revelation on top of an already sufficient testimony from Scripture of what God has already revealed. that God was doing something. But Sid, 
What she didn't know was that when I, as I was in my coma and I was falling through darkness and said it was as real as me talking with you right now, I reached out my arms on both sides said, to kind of break the fall. I was looking for a railing or something, but there was nothing there. And as I kept falling, I was completely scared. I'm a big guy, Sid, and I could usually take care of myself. But I knew this time I had gone one step too far. I was in a place, Sid, that was not meant for mankind, and I knew it. I just didn't know what it was. I had never read the Bible. I'd never been to a prayer meeting or a Christian church as we know it. I didn't know that there were wicked spirits in high places, demonic forces that were living inside of me. I had no knowledge of that. But, Sid, as I was falling through darkness, my fall stopped. And I, I was in like a black room, and I looked over on my left-hand side. Okay, another thing to take into account. And look, again, if you're somebody who would have listened to these testimonies and believed it, I'm believe me when I say this, I understand uh, the, the desire to wish that these things are true. For many different reasons. Maybe it helped you at a particular time or whatever, but we've got to base what we believe upon the word of the living God. He said he'd never been to a prayer meeting, he didn't know anything from the word of God, take, it, take him at his word. Well, how can you know what he was seeing then? How can you know? Again, this is all when he's like, being operated on in the coma, I think. So, to say that this is akin to just say, right, you have a dream, you have all these really vivid dreams, say you sleep like 14 hours straight and you have all these strange dreams, does that mean that actually happened? So, these things... If there were claimed about anything else other than God or supernatural, things like that, it would be rejected. Now, there are some groups that are big into dream casting and all this kind of thing. But apart from that, would we do the th same thing with dreams? saw two creatures that were standing right there and I knew they were going to do something to me. I had no idea they were demons. I had never understood that concept. So how could I? I'd never read the Bible. Not exposed to that. But those two things, whatever. The only thing is I, I just, I question that to the fact that you say you've no idea what a demon looks like. Well, you know, with movies and other things. Whatever they were, they were real, and they were going to hurt me. They were, there was a pool, like a magnetic pool, trying to take me back behind this wall back there. Whether it was hell, I don't know, but I know they wanted to hurt me. I had no understanding, Sid, but those were the demons I learned later on as I studied the Bible that were living inside of me. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. Well, I had given them every place, so they had... Now, it definitely wasn't hell. Why do we know that? Because if it was hell, he wouldn't be talking today. Um, it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, So it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. And that sentence is final. Verse 28, So, so Christ was offered up once to bear the sins of many.
the judgment is carried out before the throne of God, and you will either be clothed in the righteousness of Christ, or you will be naked in your own sins, and you will suffer the wrath of God for all eternity. And there's no coming back. We, we would love to, there's many different people have theorized of things, be, like no, not, not, nothing from the Bible, nothing based upon anything scriptural, but people have theorized of people coming back, you know, having a second chance and all this kind of thing. But what keeps men from God is not that they don't have enough evidence or if they just saw that hell was real, then they'd get it. That's not true. And I can show you some scripture just to verify that this is not true. If you go to um, the end of Luke chapter 16, the rich man Lazarus, verse 24, then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the finger of his, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, so he's Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. He's begging for mercy. This is somebody begging for mercy. Now, it doesn't mean he wants to trust God. He just doesn't want the suffering. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. They can not. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Now, so, this is up to verse 29. Abraham says here, They have Moses and the prophets. They have the first five books of Moses, Genesis to Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, and they also have the prophets. They basically have the Old Testament. This is like the summary of the Old Testament. What? And he said, No, Father Abraham, if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. That's what everybody thinks. Oh, well, if they hear, if they just know, and it's not that you don't warn people about this, but that bare fact alone of the nature of hell and how horrible it is, is not alone going to convert somebody. They may see the horribleness of hell, but they may still hate God. But if one goes to them for the dead, they will repent. And he said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, another way of saying that, if they don't hear the word of God, Neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. So if they don't hear the word of God, they're not going to be persuaded by anything else. This is what we need to go forward with, the word of God. Not either questionable or 
easily provably false testimonies either self-deception either profiteering you know they're or or it's demonic and it's neither of the two well, and that, that wouldn't do self-deception it can be psychological it can be lots of different things and sometimes it's it's hard to know which of those three it is but whatever the case we can't just blindly take these testimonies at face value it's not wise it's not biblical it's not scriptural it's not helpful. It is not profitable. There, We've got to be careful about the testimonies we use. I know sometimes testimonies can be very, very helpful. But we've got to be wise about the testimonies that we have and share with people. Yes, the Apostle Paul shared his testimony of saving grace. Yes, because he's serving in Christian ministry. And it's such a clear example of the grace of God, walking with God. You know, when the church put, puts up people who maybe have wild backgrounds, but no real demonstration of lasting fruit, and it just becomes a bit of a free-for-all, and who has the most exciting testimony of, of one over the other. And that can be problematic, to say the least. One, one sad thing about it is people think that there's something more special about the testimony of somebody who had a drink problem and came to Christ, rather than, you know, regardless of when you were saved, all those testimonies are wonderful examples of saving grace. Even if you never knew a time when you didn't believe. You should thank God for godly parents, or however the gospel was brought to you at a young age, or whatever the case may be. We're all, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need God's saving grace. Right. They had a claim on my soul. And Sid, as my mother was home praying for me, as she said that she saw this God's index finger touch me, as she was home crying out to God for me, the value, the power of prayer. Jude tells us, have mercy on those who doubt, snatching others as though taking them out of the fire. That's what she was doing through prayer, Sid. That's why prayer is so powerful. And Sid, as she was praying for me, it was then that Jesus came to me. But as he powerful, and Sid, as okay, so Jude one twenty two and twenty three. I'm not going to spend too long on this. Um, this is not talking about saving people from hell. Well, it is, but it's not people who are already in hell. If somebody's already in hell, they're beyond saving. But verses twenty two and twenty three. Let's read from verse 20 for more, a little bit more context. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. And the thing is, that's what they're saved from. That's what they're saved from. It doesn't mean they're being lifted up from hell. It's important that we compare Scripture with Scripture. He was praying for me. As he came to me, the essence of the discussion, what he didn't say is what shocked me the most, Sid. What? Why should I help you now? 
you loser, you fool, you laughed at me. You didn't say that. No. You know, I might have said that. You mocked your mother, you mocked me, my people. But Sid, it was like a liquid sea of love when I looked at Jesus. And he said to me, Jimmy, you've been playing around long enough. Do you want to continue? And I said, Jesus, I don't. But I prayed that prayer in jail. Get me out of this jam and I'll go straight. Well, here I am again. Look, and another the problem with this sometimes is it becomes very shallow. Is like, okay, addicts don't want to continue in their addiction, right? But that's not the question. The question is, do you see your sin? Do you see how it's offended a, a, a holy and righteous God? Rather than conversion just sounding like self-help and getting through either, you know, you don't come to Jesus just to get away from your alcoholism. You come to Jesus for cleansing from sin. Yes, your alcoholism is a sin. But we're coming to Christ because of who he is. You want to follow him. And because you're following him, yes, there will be a, a, a turning from sin. But we don't, we got to be careful we don't treat Jesus as a means to an end. We come to Christ for Christ, for him, because of who he is. And we come for cleansing. Because the danger is what happens in, you know, you struggle in a certain area, you abandon it. Or whatever the case may be. So we come to Christ trusting in him and him alone. And if you've trusted in him, it is because you've been born again. If you actually trusted in him, you've been born again. You brought into Christ Jesus. You've been made a new creature. All things have, all things have become new. He's given you new heart, new nature. And you'll act and behave differently. Not perfectly, but different. You'll have struggles. You'll have trials. Jesus, what do I got to do? What must I do, Jesus? What do I got to do? And Sid, Jesus looked at me and said, Jimmy, if you ask me to cleanse you, I remember listening to a Christian podcast years ago, and there was, and look, most of the stuff on the podcast was kind of okay, it was, you know, pretty interesting, not terrible, not fantastically great teaching, but not terrible, but we can't, every now and again, there'll be some testimony of somebody like this, with some claim that Jesus came to the night, and I always thought, how do you know? I saved about a year or two at that point. And I didn't know how dangerous either these testimonies were or the people peddling them. Years later, you see these people kind of joining up with the Jim Bakers, the, these kind of frauds of the world. And then you go, okay, that's the direction that's taking. The fruit of it is not good. The fruit of it is not good. And we're not so popular. You know, I live in Northern Ireland and many churches in Northern Ireland are very good churches. The majority? No, I'm not saying the majority, but a lot of churches, there are good churches in Northern Ireland. But this is the mainstream. This is the mainstream face of evangelical Christianity. 
these kind of stories. This is the norm. Unfortunately. And this is what people, when they first come to Christianity, generally speaking, they come across. And if you haven't come across this in your early walk, praise God. I'm not to deal with this stuff. But if you've... I was saved in Cork, and a lot of people didn't go to charismatic churches, but there were people who came to me with all sorts of claims of dreams and all sorts of things. And it's one of the reasons it drove me into the subject in the first place. It doesn't happen nearly as much here, but in most of the world. It doesn't happen nearly as much where I live now. Because many of my friends are Reformed and things like that, Reformed Presbyterian. I have friends who are Baptists and things like that. But many people, when they first come to be Christian, and I'm, you know, this is what they're bombarded with. And felt me felt pressure to either start speaking in tongues, start having these experiences themselves, and so on and so forth. And if you ask me to forgive you, I will, son. And I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, Jim, I will be your best friend. I will give you the power to overcome the drugs and the alcohol. Jimmy, I will walk with you all the days of your life, but you have to ask me. I won't barge my way into your life. Mm. Me and I said to This is the Jesus of man's imagination. I want to do all these nice things. For I want to help you, but it's all in your hands. That's not John chapter 6, for example, verse 44. It's not. So it's not the Jesus of the scriptures. And you're adding, you're attributing words to him which are not recorded in the scriptures. That's blasphemy. It's, it's, it's false accusation or attributing false things to the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is serious when you start attributing things. This is why it was evil as well when the shack did it years ago. Don't care if the claim was fiction, you're still putting words in Jesus' mouth or using false representations of him. Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. Jesus, please help me. I knew I was screwed up, Sid. I knew I was. I said, Jesus, please help me. Please forgive me. And Sid, the moment I said that, the interesting thing about those two things, those demons, they froze in their tracks when Jesus showed up. They stopped dead. When, when Jesus came in, it was as if they knew who he was. I know what it was like to be in a street fight and friends show up at the right time. Well, Sid, when they were coming to get me, and Jesus, my mother's interceding for me. She's calling down the, the love and the power of God upon my life. Jesus came to me. He heard her cry. They froze in their tracks. But the moment I said, Jesus, please help me, they vanished. They vanished. They left. Now, when now, we prefer that. We prefer that than learning it from this learning of, the, of mortification of the flesh, putting to death sin from the scriptures. Like Romans chapter 8. Because this sounds more like a movie. It sounds more exciting. And this is why this kind of thing is so popular today. Now, it's not the only time in church history it's ever been popular. There was periods of time 
certain stories circulated or even around the 4th century. The Montanists weren't exactly very theologically sound, shall we say. But these Wicca prophets during the Reformation, there were some of the Anabaptists made some unusual claims. There was Thomas Munzer who believed in this kind of thing contrary to Martin Luther, didn't at all agree with this. But it's the mainstream face today of evangelicalism as it has grown and morphed and less and less people are willing to challenge it. I think there was a time maybe in the 70s and the 80s more and more books came out about this. But there's a reluctance, I fear, to challenge this. Do it lovingly. But sola scriptura, that the scriptures are our authority, and the scriptures alone are our final authority, needs to be defended. And this is something that undermines sola scriptura. You came out of your coma. What were the first words you said that your mother knew something was up? <laughs> said, my mother told me, Jimmy, when you came out of your coma a few days later, Dad and I were standing next to you. Your jaw was out of trunk like that. My jaw was busted wired shut. But she said, Jimmy, the first words that you muttered through your broken jaw was, Mom, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Wow, can you picture his mother? I understand. She was five foot two yes. of the fire of God. Yes. Now, it didn't take long for Jim to discover the one thing that Satan wanted from him the most. He wants it from you, too. Be right back. Now, it's interesting. He says, uh, be right back. Uh, here's what Satan wants the most. Well, if you actually listen to the ads, I think <laughs> this is all about. We'll see all this is all about. We're going to play the ads as well. I normally skip over this stuff, but... Supernatural. Now and get Jim Maxim's powerful book, Face to Face with God, and his two anointed devotional books, 21 Days of Deeper Prayer and 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer, plus his interactive devotional Breakthrough Prayer audio CD series, Releasing the Power of Prayer. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Wouldn't you want this happening in your life? Just buy these books, get this DVD, and you will release the power of prayer. Yeah. Yours for a donation of $39. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9772. Money. Money, money, money. And, uh, yeah, this'll, this'll, oh, well, look, this, this claims, it's just, it's just really, really sad, but anyway. To face with God. Through his book, you too will realize that God's supernatural love, power, purpose, and joy is available to you. Do you want love, power, purpose, and joy? Well, just get this book and everything will be perfect. Just, just pay the money. Oh, it's, it's not paying. It's, it's a donation. That's, that's far and look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that ministries can't sell books or whatever, okay? Or, you know, put advertise. It's the way the advertisement has been done is my major problem here because it's like, hey, you, you want joy, peace, love, pay the money. Okay. 
times you may be facing. Plus, you will also receive Jim's two anointed devotional books, 21 Days of Deeper Prayer and 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer and Jim's interactive devotional Breakthrough Prayer audio CD series. Release. Just going to skip ahead just a tiny bit. Around you. Be transformed from the inside out. Begin to flow in the supernatural power of agreement to receive your miracle, healing, and your breakthrough. Hey, you want a miracle? Well, you, you better buy these books, according to this. At the end of each devotional reading, you can listen to the daily message on the audio CDs. Experience the power of the Holy Spirit sweeping through your circumstances with the supernatural breakthroughs you need in your life and in the life. It's amazing how if this is so important and, you know, stick it on YouTube, you know, we'll test it out. See if we can, you just pay this money and boom. You'll see, if you examine this stuff long enough, it's very hard not to get cynical of the intentions of these people, especially the Sid Roths of this world. That it is money-driven. There are people who I am also convinced, I think they're a minority, can I be honest, you, and they're like hen's teeth, but you will find the odd person who's sincerely believing in this kind of stuff, but isn't looking for money. And I've read one or two books like that, and I'm like, came away from it thinking, you know, this guy is genuine. The, the theology is pretty bad. I'm not taking anything away from that. But not seeking for money. You know, I think Sid Roth is probably at the worst end of it, probably maybe a slight level below the Benny Hinn's, perhaps. But the, the, you just see, we pay this money, you're going to have this, you're going to have joy, peace, love, everything. Yeah, you're going to see everything. It's amazing. You're going to, hey, you don't pay the money. You're, gonna, you're just going to be missing out. And this is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Station downtown Pittsburgh to go to Paris Island. And I was sitting there and I looked over and I saw these little black books sitting there. I said, well, why not? What are they? And I picked it up. And here it was a Bible, a New Testament, Gideon, New Testament Psalms and Proverbs, and one of the small ones. And it's in the front of it, it said, when afraid, when lonely, when leaving home, turn to page such and such. Well, it guided me over to this, this book called Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20. Oh, after seeing those demons, buddy, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd never read the Bible in my life. So it guided me over to this book, Revelation 3, verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And that's what Jesus basically said to me, the essence of our discussion when I was unconscious. Then it guided me over to Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you can be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made, resulting in salvation. And so I understood that for the first time in my life, this little book had some kind of power in it because I was weeping. The Spirit of God had just overpowered. I grabbed that Bible, Sid, I put it on my chest in that bus station, and I said, God, get these words in me. Almighty God, get them in me. I know for the first time in my life, I've got a track to run on. I've got some kind of supernatural thing going on in this book. Well, right now, I want you to look in the camera.
and help people have that same encounter you. There's people who can get saved in various different ways. I got saved on the internet, but vast majority of people, usually through the preached word, things like that. But it is through the word. I still got saved through the word. I heard the word of God. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight was a verse that I kept seeing over and over through online websites, all other things like that. There were other verses as well. What is being said here is he got supernatural revelation, which eventually brought him to the word of God. Right now. Jesus Christ loves you so much. He gave his life for you on that cross. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter. The blood of Jesus Christ is all sufficient. It washes all our, all our sins away. Now, okay, I'm just, yeah, I'm going to look at this for a second. So much. He gave his life for you. On that and help people have that same encounter you had right now. Jesus Christ loves you so much. Now, this is, look through the scriptures, find any single example of somebody says, starts off with Jesus loves you. You won't find it. Now, you'll find that Jesus loves his people. There is, he places upon his people. It doesn't mean that God has no love at all for those who are not his people, but that saving love, that special covenant love is for his people alone. We don't start off with God thinks you're so amazing. Oh, you're so amazing. No, you're a sinner. God is amazing, awesome, and glorious, and he commends all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. Because it's a, con it's, a, it's, a, it's a conflicting message. Gave his life for you on that cross. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter. The blood of Jesus Christ is all sufficient. It washes all our sins away. If you've never asked Christ to be your savior, if you can, okay, I'm not going to be stopping all the time. There's a lot of it. This is, I, I disagree with. It's been many gospel presentations, unfortunately. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But not the worst thing he's been saying so far. Around Christianity. If you've been around Christian, but if you have never asked Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, say this prayer with me. Father. Okay, this is um, the, the easy prayerism. This is everywhere. It's not just in charismatic circles, but the, the Bible says to repent and believe. The, the Bible doesn't say, how would I put it? Um, pray this prayer after me. Now, there is the prayer of the repentant believer, the one who's born again, that, that the Lord will answer. If you cry out in faith, Oh, Lord, save me. In faith, believing. The danger is if you just put the words into a person's mouth, they will just repeat the words and not really mean it. Now, if you've prayed a prayer, what is, what is not, how to put it, it's not the prayer that, that has saved you. The Lord answers your prayer. So whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.
If you call upon the name of the Lord believing, you'll be saved. But by saying that particular prayer, people think that they're saved. That's the danger. What saves you is faith alone. Trust in Him. Call upon His name. That's where the danger is when you're just giving people the words to say. That's the major problem with the sinner's prayer. You don't really mean it, and you're just going through the motions. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I come to you. I come to you. As a sinner. As a sinner. And I confess all of my sin, God. And I confess all of my sin. And I'm asking you to cleanse me and forgive me. And I'm asking you to... Like, I was in the Roman Catholic Church when I was a when I was young, and we used to say, I think it was the Apostles' Creed. I didn't believe any of it. But I said it all, as we all did. So, this is particularly problematic. Please, man, forgive me. Break the power of sin in my life. Break the power of sin in my life. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. And help me to love you. And help me to love you. In your holy and precious name, I pray. Holy and precious name, I pray. Amen. When Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, go into your secret place and close the door, and your Father that sees in secret will reward thee openly. Jesus used to come to me early in the morning. He would come to me. God the Father would say, Jimmy, come. Jimmy, I'm here. Jimmy, come. Come away with me. In other words, Jimmy, get out of bed. Jimmy, I want to speak to you. I want to love you. I want to teach you things that you don't know anything about. Jesus speaks to us in the Word. In Hebrews chapter 1, if you want to hear the Word of God, we listen. If you want to hear it audibly, you get an audio Bible. But Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. That's up to halfway through verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 1. He has spoken in these last days, it's been last days for the last 2,000 years. He has spoken unto us by his Son. Who is his Son? His Son is the Word of God. Jimmy, if you'll come with me, I'll begin to speak to your heart. And so, Sid, I started to get up when the Lord would come into my room. Even in the Marines, I would get up and I would just walk out in the woods somewhere. I would get away. I would take my Bible. And I didn't know anything about Christ. How could I? But Jesus started to speak to me. And then I read that little story that Jesus said, it is expedient for you that I go away because unless I go, the Holy Spirit can't come. And then I started to say, the Holy Spirit, what do you mean? And then the Holy Spirit, I learned, was a person, not an it, not a thing, but a person. And so as I began to talk to the Holy Spirit, he began to talk to me. He began to teach me the scriptures. He began to write the scriptures on the door of my heart and in my mind. I was having like, I could see the scriptures in front of me. And as I was telling the guys in the Marines, I'd look at my face. My face was totally distorted. I had to have six months of plastic surgery, which is a miracle. Don't have time to get into today that the Marines did. But they'd look at my distorted face and ask me, and I knew why they were asking, because the Holy Spirit had set that time up. I didn't even know what witnessing was, Sid. All I knew was I had to tell him about my best friend, Jesus. God wants to shower you with his love, his blessings. 
Prayer, prayer is the greatest gift God's given to me next to my salvation, the intimacy with him. He wants to love me. He picks me up. Okay, so we'll stop there. Like, prayer is massively important, and prayer is a great, great, great gift. If truly born again, from the trusting in the Jesus of Scripture, not the Jesus of some dream you had, and I know I hear these these claims about the Muslim world and all this kind of thing, and I would be massively skeptical. If somebody's never seen the Word of God, it just has some dream, and apparently he's come to Christ. Now, maybe in that dream, their conscience is pricked, and they realize they're a sinner. Perhaps that, you know, like you can remember things and things like that. Okay. But you don't have supernatural revelation up on top of the Bible because scripture is sufficient. And what you want to hear about a clear testimony, if you're sharing your testimony, the most important thing is that you saw you were a sinner, that you've broken God's holy, righteous, and just law. That you see you're a sinner. Your sin deserves the penalty, punishment of hell for all eternity. And that you've trusted in Jesus alone. Not the Jesus of your imagination, but the Jesus as revealed in scripture. You trust him alone for salvation. Now, if you trusted him alone for salvation, you will hunger and thirst for his word. You've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you hunger and thirst for the, the word of the living God. And it's only in the Word of God that you're, 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 which is the fountain of the living water, Jesus Christ, the fountain of the living water, can, can quench your thirst. So hopefully that's been some help in some way, shape, or form. I think I'm going to stop there because it, in problem of getting repetitive um if you've got any questions on that mcginnow radio at gmail.com you can shoot me an email on that uh, this is also going to be on youtube this one because just because of the topic but not every week is going to be on youtube if there's anything you would like me to cover please email the video or whatever the case may be to radio at gmail.com can't promise I'm going to cover everything the pro the program's only going to be around up until for a few more months um, if you've I've talked about this before but um, if I am called into the ministry then the program will probably be finishing at that point any more questions radio at gmail.com this has been Paul Flynn may God bless you all